1: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, August 17th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early line right here on sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. And as usual, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh live and direct helping us put the fun in functional sports content, giving you everything you need to make it a profitable day. And Kevin, we've got a big week on the horizon. I've been saying this for a while, right? But since we were shut down for months, Now, like, the curtain has come back up. We've got NHL playoffs going on. The NBA playoffs start in earnest. We've got Major League Baseball almost up to the trading deadline. Training camps in the NFL underway. We've got golf to discuss. We've got UFC to discuss. So much going on, Kev. And I'm excited to have you by my side so we can get it going for all the people. Yeah, uh,
2: I cannot wait. Uh, You know, I I I sent out a... The picture of the coffee, because I remember I did that when we had our first live show here on the early line. I thought it was uh, appropriate with the NBA playoffs being today. Uh, Mm -hmm. I am am excited. I'm ready to go. I (laughs) have been I took my own personal vacation to get ready for the NBA
1: playoffs as I'm about to now uh,
2: lock in and I'm just excited to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember we were talking over the weekend and I said, you are literally glowing. I don't know if it's (laughs) Christmas morning. I don't know if it's getting in a candy store. But literally, and we've looked at the schedule, right? And so it seems like they alternate every day, four games in a row. It kind of feels to me like an AAU tournament, Kev, right? Or like an ABCD Nike camp or something like that. The amount of games we will see. And we know the full playoff field, Kev, because on Saturday, the Portland Trailblazers finished the job beating the Memphis Grizzlies 126 to 122. Damian Lillard, another good game, right? He's not averaging 50 anymore. He puts it in the low 30s, but they get it done. I got to tell you, though, John Morant looking great in defeat. We got plenty of time to talk about Portland, Kev, but honestly, mm-hmm. this Memphis team also on the way up, right? Like the name was French Montana or something. You obviously, John Morant, you know about Jared Jackson, that injury for him in the bubble. Valentunis. Had a huge game as well. The arrow's still pointing up for this Grizzly squad, right, Kev? No, listen,
2: as long as John Morant's there, this team is yeah, going really. to like their chances to be able to Make a push out in the West. And one of the things that, you know, we've seen people talk about in, in, in this league is to have that franchise cornerstone. And Damian Lillard right now is looked at as the best leader in the league. And he's also looked at as the perfect guy to pull a small market forward and continue to stay loyal. Right. And that comes from probably his day mm-hmm. at Weber State. And people are looking at John Morant, and they're feeling a similar way. And it was actually, I, I right. almost got chills. It, they're tweets, but it's hilarious. Like, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum come from smaller schools, right? Lehigh and Weber mm-hmm. State. Lehigh. And they were talking about Morant, Murray State, and they're like, he's a dog. And he's like, I appreciate you guys. You paved the way for me. I'm going to keep pushing forward. And they're like, you got nothing but time. And it's just like, I, those are the type of things. I know everybody wants to everybody right. hate each other. And I think that's so lame. I like this type of stuff because it is guys right now that are at the top of their game, giving kudos to a young guy who put Memphis in a spot
1: nobody ever Mm -hmm. thought they'd be able to be in. No, absolutely. You know, you see commercials out there all the time where even you hear like LeBron saying the league is in good shape, right? And John Morant, definitely one of these young blossoming superstars in this league as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country including the mightier 1090 on the west coast here to the early line but kev you know their their reward by portland for all the stuff that we're talking about is the los angeles lakers in the first round where they wind up being plus 365 on the series price and we'll talk about that one a little bit more tomorrow as that series gets going we have four other series to talk about today but as we look back from the weekend also, we had UFC 252, Kev. Our guy, Jay the Sports Keg CEO, came in here on Friday and had two kind of picks. He had some other leans, right? But the two things I remember him saying was that that Miocic-DC fight was going to start at least round three, and it did. They went the full 25 minutes poking each other in the eye left and right, but that's another story, for another day where Stepe Miocic does in fact keep... Is UFC heavyweight belt. The other thing he gave us, if you remember, was JDS to go down, um, Kevin, right? And Rosenstruck mm-hmm. did, in fact, get the job done from Suriname. And if you ask me, he might be one of the guys in line to see Miocic sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, if he can get past
2: Francis. I, I tell you, this division, guy it's Gano, exciting. Man. But like, he just looms large over everything. Like, People were excited about Rosenstruck. And Then Francis touched that chin and he lo- chin and he looked like he didn't belong anywhere. Yeah. and like Stepe goes out there, like, five-round war, great fight with Daniel really? Watney. And all you can talk like in your mind, you're like, So he's gonna stick around and fight Francis? Really, that's a that's a bold decision, my friend, Mr. Miochich. Like, you are the greatest heavyweight of all time. Maybe you hang that yeah. thing up. Uh, and one of the interesting <laughs> points I I'll, I'll say, and um, you know, the next time we speak, Jay, we could probably confirm this with him, but You know, the idea around Stipe, who is seemingly going to stick around and look to fight, uh, you know, I was talking Mm -hmm. to people, maybe February, right? And it will be Francis. But regardless, whether it's Francis or it's John Jones, he's a dog again. He will be a dog. Like, it is going to be just as tough for him to keep that belt the next fight as it was this fight. But an incredible kudos to him and, of course, an incredible kudos to Daniel Cormier putting forth one of the best MMA careers we've ever seen.
1: Yeah, we tip our cap to D.C., of course. And then, unfortunately, Kev, the Sugar Show went down with an injury. It looked like he got kicked. People are saying, where would the injury come from? But regardless, the Sugar Show was not exciting on Saturday. No, it was uh, tough to see, but hopefully he gets healthy and gets back after. Absolutely. The entertainment is there. We're off and running here on the early line. Come on back after this Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. I'm a main man, Kevin Walsh, as always. But we, I told you, okay, we've got basketball playoffs, we got baseball, we got training camp, we got UFC. We also have the NHL playoffs going on right now. And here at Sports Grid, we are lucky to have experts in every sport, including our guy. Scotty Wetzel. You can hear him even earlier than us. I think I got to set the snooze button early, but Hmm. not as much as our guy Wetzel and bagels and bad beats here on this network. You can hear it 5 to 7 a.m. Eastern time. And we bring in Scotty right now for a couple minutes. How you doing, Scotty? Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. We don't hear Scotty right now, necessarily. We're going to work to get him going back on. Guys, let me know when we do, in fact, have him. But, Kevin, as we're going, I got to say, one of the biggest stories in the playoffs to me right now is Boston Bruins' goalie, Cougarask. Okay, Oh, do we have uh, Scotty now? Yep. What's All up, guys? Hey, Scotty, how you up, doing, Scott? man? I was just telling everybody, they can, you know, thanks for waking up with us but for you this is <laughs> no big deal bagels and bad beats five to seven a.m you can hear on sports grid radio five to seven eastern time but scotty the first thing i wanted to ask you was this to story okay because i'm doing in-game live with gabe on saturday we get the news about to opting out and i gotta ask you i understand people have valid concerns there's a damn pandemic outside okay i get it but two things with two one To do it in the middle of a series, I find interesting timing. And also, Scotty, there was this thing, right, where they were like self-reporting symptoms via the app in the hotel room. And Tuka Rask was like, yeah, I got a little bit of a sniffle. And he was unfit to play. Was this a surprise to you? Or were a lot of people wondering if Tuka Rask's heart was in it this time around?
3: Not, well, listen, ultimately a surprise. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Who expects the guy to opt out in the middle of the first round of a postseason? But he did say at the beginning that he wasn't really mentally into it. Guys, he, he'd said that, you know, I haven't played hockey in a couple of months. Right now, it's, the juices aren't there. He said this during the the three games that Boston played. They Remember, they weren't in the first round. They were in those three round robin games. And uh, he sat out one of them and he said, you know, the juices aren't there, blah, blah, blah. But you don't think that he's going to opt out, you know, especially now, that sports, you know, one one that they're in the thing. So from that standpoint, a, a complete surprise. So it's it's very shocking. You know we've seen a couple of guys in, in Major League Baseball do this. Yuans Cespedes did it with the Mets, right, kind of out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Although people mm-hmm. point to, to him, you know, with his incentives and then maybe maybe being a little ticked off about not getting the playing time. So it's right. not unforeseen from that standpoint, but it's strange. I mean, how do you do that? How do you let your teammates down more than anything? Right. I mean, I, I just don't yeah. get that. But as a Bruin, I will tell you this, though, as a Bruins fan, I will not use this as an excuse if they don't win, because I am not a big Tuukka Rask fan. I'm, I'm just not. I, I think he's <clears> overrated. I, I, th- I think he's a, you know, a, a lot well on Saturday play. Yeah, I, I just – you know what? I'll, I'll take my chances with Halak it, it versus uh, Rask. I mean, I'm not going to complain, but he just never, guys, to me, wins a game that he's not supposed to win. He doesn't steal one for the club. He gives up a lot of soft goals, a lot of late goals. It just I, – I, again, I'm not going to use that as an excuse as a Bruins fan if they don't win. I think it's Bush. I think it's cheap. It's funny. I was uh, on uh, that night as well, uh, Dane, and uh, one of the Boston reporters said I got shocking news. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I thought it was Pasternak who did not play that game, too. And that maybe he had the virus and that was going to be the shocking news at the end of the game. Right. And then, you know, I find out it's this and I'm like, wow, I that. yeah, you're right. That is shocking from that. Side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me ask you
2: then specifically with this matchup, the Bruins holding the 2-1 lead here. I think considering how you just spoke about Tukorasko, I might know the answer. Uh, so do you see this maybe as an opportunity to get the Bruins at a bit of a discount where, uh, Rask's absence doesn't hurt them as
3: much? Absolutely. Now, listen, they're up 2-1, so I don't know how much of a discount you're going to get. And they did manhandle Caroline. The Bruins, I'm watching them a lot as a fan. They beat the snot out of more teams and lose games than any team I've ever seen. It's hmm. amazing. They can dominate on the scores or on the uh, you know shots on goal and everything, but they don't tend to score that much because they only really have one great line. But if you can get them at a halfway decent price up 2-1, then I would say yes. Maybe even more so, Kev, uh, than this series than still for to win it all. You, you probably can get some decent decent odds Mm. to still win the all, Um, you know, with the East being as wide open as we've seen now that it's anyone's game. So I I really, you know, if you thought the Bruins were a 10 with, with Rask, even if you're a fan of his, they're no more than an eight, eight and a half in, in my eyes. So and, pa- and Pasternak supposedly who was unfit to play. That's the beauty of the NHL. What, what is unfit? I mean, <laughs> right. Unfit could have been like, you know, he's dying. He's got a, a toenail. He's got the virus, you know, but he may play yeah. uh, later on today in game four. So that would be a huge boost for that because he's one of their top line guys.
1: Last one for me, Wetzel. And thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us here on the early line. I see these four games today, right? These series are all 2-1, and for three of them, you know, it's the favorite we thought going in that is, in fact, up two games to one. Not the case with Vancouver and St. Louis, however. It's the Canucks that are up 2-1, to even though the Blues were, you know, this heavily touted team coming in. Is there um, danger for an upset here, or do you think St. Louis can kind of figure it out pretty quickly and, uh, you know, get back on the good foot?
3: Uh, no, absolutely, uh, absolutely a, a possibility of an upset. Are you seeing the odds there for today's game? Now they played last night. Quick turnaround, twenty-four hours later, but no travel, so it's probably not that bad. But the, the, you know, the one game they did win last night came in overtime, and, and they were lucky to win that. You know, they've led St. Louis in this series for less than a minute. Uh, believe it or not, uh, they they trailed in all the other games or were tied. They took the lead last night 2-1. to one. They blew that lead less than a minute, and then they went in overtime. So the down 2-1 is not a fluke. It's not like they've had great scoring opportunities. Um, they're 0-9 in a power play. They're not playing well. And Binghamton, whatever magic he had last year, which obviously was a lot, uh, has not resonated so far this postseason. Mm. So Vancouver down 2-1 is, abs- or excuse me, up 2-1 is definitely, definitely a possibility for an outright win to win this series let me quickly stick
2: on this game here scott this is a a, one of these rare instances that we have a back-to-back usually in the playoffs we don't see that but we see that here today i know you have every trend and stat in the book how have you been finding these games in the early rounds here where we do see back-to-backs
3: they're going over, believe it or not. I'm very surprised. You know, the NHL postseason, uh, they've adjusted their lines. we, I follow them during those bubble games, if you will. And there were a majority of unders still sliding right. towards under postseason, but they brought those five and five and a half down to five. So you're getting a lot of pushes now. So, But you're not getting high scoring games. But these back-to-backs, Kevin, it's a good question. I would have thought it would have been a little more sluggish. Um, you know, even Carol, or, uh, Columbus and Tampa Bay we was playing, you know, a, a day before, but that was with a five and a half overtime game. And that was a wild one. So we've seen I've seen a little bit more wide open hockey. Dallas Calgary has been that was supposed to be 2-1 series, and we're getting five, four games. So a lot more open hockey, especially even with the back-to-backs. It's not slowed things down at all.
1: That's interesting, Scotty. Remember, because last time we talked to you, you talked about like the glorified scrimmages with these seating yeah. teams, right? And now on other reasons, you may think games go under. But, in fact, goals are being scored in the playoffs. Well, Scotty, thanks again for spending a couple of minutes with us. I know it's not bad for you. You're already, like, yes. in midday form, right? What are you, about to eat dinner about to eat lunch? What's it like here? Right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about <laughs> breakfast. Breakfast was hours ago. I'm getting I'm lunch. I'm, I'm waiting on dinner here. Anytime. I'm here. I'm here. I love talking hockey. Absolutely. So you guys need me, guys. Well, Appreciate I'm sure that. I have
1: you back on sometime soon to uh, keep us abreast of all the things happening on the ice. You got it. All right, sounds good. That's interesting to me, Kev, you know, like the idea of going back to back in the playoffs. We were just talking about the NBA series, right? And how they're playing every other day, but I guess there's schedule complications when games go five overtimes and overtimes, and of course, you're playing literally on the same rink, right? Because of the uh the bubble format.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I do think it's very interesting though that, you know, the NHL pushed forward with back-to-back games in yeah. the postseason. You just That is so unusual, right? And I think usually in the first round, you might see even sometimes a bigger layoff because there's travel involved, right, in your first round and not the case here. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. If Scott's telling us, look over, then you better look over because when it comes to the NHL playoffs thus far, He's been very consistent. Things have just been going under, bet under straight across the board. But this might yeah. be one of those unique spots where a lot of people are like, ah, oh, sluggish legs. They, 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 these teams went to overtime last night. Mm-hmm. A lot but, of overtime games. We talk about this. L- tired legs does not automatically mean no one can score. Sometimes it means nobody can defend. And that might be right. the case here. So a late night special maybe an over.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of games went to overtime yesterday. The Islanders, including them, They get a 3-0 series lead over Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals as well. When we come back, though, we turn our attention to the beginning of the playoffs and the NBA. We do that right after this news update from SportsGrid. SportsGrid
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back in, everybody, right here to The Early Line, including our radio audience from around the country and our newest friends, the mightier 1090 out there in SoCal. Big shout-out, wake up early with us here on The Early Line, giving you the edge on sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez, and my main man, Kevin Walsh, here is excited. He's feeling like Tim Tebow at a press conference. Why? Because the NBA playoffs get started in earnest, today, right, Kev? I mean, we had Memphis and Portland, but I liken that in essence to, like, the Tuesday play-in games in Dayton, Ohio, before March Madness, you know? Like, sure, it was a game, and it mattered to those teams, but the real bracket begins today. We've got four series that are kind of on this, uh, just to set the stage, right? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and the other four series will be going on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Monday. They're alternating like that, until, you know, game sevens of this round would be not this weekend, but next weekend, we have got two months of playoff basketball in store and Kev on its face. What do you think about this though? You know, the fact that we're playing all kind of in the bubble and now there's playoff games going for what? 10, 11, 12 hours a day for the next two weeks in this round. I know you got to be excited.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see. And I I think we're, you know it's going to be interesting. One thirty on a Monday yeah. matters right. a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's an adjustment to make because you know we've been ha- we've had this restart now. We've seen some one thirty games, right? But you can miss them if you guys are taking a nap or sleeping or whatever. It might be. Yeah, I'll catch the the later games. No worries. This game matters. Like we're getting right to it, right. and you know we can talk and joke someone about the adjustment as a fan. But that's real for these players, okay? They've played eight games that have absolutely varied in how much they matter, okay? Especially, you know, if we're going to start with Jazz Nuggets, right? It's absolutely gone back and forth. And now, you know, it'll be noon, and they're going to be on the court warming up. Like, it's, it's just such a big change. But, of course, it's incredibly exciting.
1: It certainly is. And one other thing I'd note here in the scheduling of it all, right? You talk about it from the fan's perspective. Hey, got to catch that first game. You know, it's not just the appetizer. It's a damn playoff game, right? But the other thing here that I've noticed is that for the most part, Kev, if you're playing like in the four o'clock game, let's say, for game one, then that's pretty much your time slot throughout, okay? That, for example, Lakers and Trailblazers that are going to be playing on, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, they're the last game of the four every single time. Okay, sometimes, and I know it's the Lakers, it's LeBron primetime, I get it, but they're doing that for most of this series, okay? You may flip-flop from being like the 1.30 game to the 4 o'clock game, but you're not going to mm-hmm. be the one thirty game on like for games one and two, and then all of a sudden being like a 6.30 game for game three, okay? For the most part, they are keeping you in that sequential order. Maybe that's a little nod to what you're saying, Kev, you know, trying to get the body clocks a little bit norm, because we saw it, remember in that MLS's back tournament, also in the same bubble in Orlando, there were games going on at 9 a.m. And then, you know, everyone was talking about it. You got to work backwards, right? That means then the team meal is at like 6.30 in the morning. That means they're reporting for duty, wherever that was, at like 5 in the morning, right? So that does switch the body clock up. I'm saying at least they're trying to be consistent in the time slots for the most part in those series. But Kev, you are correct. The first series we are going to talk about is three versus six in the West. The Denver Nuggets, who you know I am starting to grow my affinity for. They take on the Utah Jazz. Before we get into the series prices, the game one prices, prop markets, how you see this, the cornucopia of action you could have On this game and on this series, I think the biggest thing that's important to note in this series is that Jazz guard Mike Mm Connolly has left the bubble. Okay, he's left the bubble. No, it's not for chicken wings or anything else like that. It's for what we see as, you know, we're seeing this all across sports, Kev, right? It is one of the predominant reasons people have concerns or are leaving the bubble. Mike Connolly just had the birth of a child. Okay, so he's going to go there see his kid be born, but we don't know how long he's going to be away from the bubble or what the re-entry price process and quarantine will be like for him. He's definitely going to miss like the first couple of games. Talk to me about the impact of the jazz without Conley. Yeah. Right. And for Conley, it's not a situation of like, I'm gone. I
2: won't be back. I'm nervous. It's, I want to go see my kid be born. And that's just more important. And people understand that during these times, but this is massive. When we look at this jazz team, This is going to be, I believe, a very big blow for them. So one of the big stories that came into this restart, of course, was the Jazz and the absence uh, absence of Bogdanovich and us knowing that Mike Conley was going to need to step up if this team was going to have any chance of being super competitive in this restart. And I would say for the most part, Dane, Mike Conley was good. Right? I mean, he played in six games for this team and scored over 20 in four of them. Like, that's what you're looking for. Was, you know, assisting pretty well, efficient uh, enough, I would say, to get the job done. I don't know if he actually even missed a free throw in the restart. He did it, which was just a nice little interesting nod from Mike Conley. But this is now a big blow because now yeah. what was supposed to be this team's starting five is now how two guys that they typically. Yeah would be going towards, and where it's really damning for them, because we're going to compare it to this Denver Nuggets team that still doesn't have their injuries, is they do not have the bench of the Denver Nuggets. They do not have the emergence of a Michael Porter Jr. here in Utah. They're now going to have to lean on Jordan Clarkson even more than they already were going to have to. And you might argue that they were already maybe leaning a little bit too much on Jordan Clarkson. And for the most part in, in the restart, Clarkson has been bad, and now he's going to mm. have to be excellent for this team to have a chance here with the Denver Nuggets. So once this Mike Conley news broke, I ran, grabbed Denver, laying three points. I went and got involved uh, with this series because that's one of the best ways you can find an edge here. I know it does no good for you guys to tell you I got a number that's no longer out there, but it makes a Man. point. Have your alerts on, be ready. Because playoff numbers are always going to be sharp if you can beat the book to a line change. That is how you are going to potentially be very successful in these NBA playoffs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You make a good point. You say you saw that three. It is now around five in this game. So obviously whether that's an adjustment for Conley or for other ingredients, you know, you do want to get it at the best number possible. You did reference reference also though, Kev, that Denver is not fully healthy either, right? Guys like Barton and Harris, they, they've been gone for the beginning. And I remember you saying about a week ago, you know, they asked Malone, Hey, if this was the playoffs, would these guys be in? And he was like, no. And that raised Hmm. a flag for you right? I remember that at these rotation guys, like, yes, Michael Porter Jr. has emerged and Malone has even said he would be in the starting lineup. So the question was, which one of these two guys, you know, is the sacrificial lamb there, but you referenced the depth that is needed, especially to get through the gauntlet. That is the NBA playoffs. Talk about the impact of those missing nuggets and when we might expect them back. So of course for the nuggets, it would be better to have Gary Harris and better to have Will Barton. And
2: part of the reason we faded the Denver Nuggets is because those guys were missing. But why I don't think it matters as much is I think it would I think most people would argue that both, you know, the combination of Conley and Bogdanovich holds more weight than the combination of Barton and Gary Harris. And hmm. then you factor in that the Nuggets have seen Michael Porter Jr. put which if those guys are both healthy, they're not both starting. Michael Porter Jr. has demanded this spot. From what we've seen from yeah. him in the, in the restart over 20 game on 50, 40, 90 shooting splits. He's been so good. And then you have guys like Grant, Monte Morris, Plumlee. Right. The Denver Nuggets actually have a legitimate bench that they can go to, that they can trust. And that's why I think they have the ability to get over that. And they also have Jamal Murray that came back for them, right? And right. we saw this team have Jamal Murray in his very first game back against the Utah Jazz. And that game went into double overtime, and the Denver Nuggets win it. I will tell you this, though. Where they seemingly miss Harrison Barton the most, okay? And I still think they can win games without those guys. But defensively, the Nuggets have been the worst team since the restart. They've given up at least 113 in every single game. They've given up over 120 in six of their eight games. Now, there are plenty of games where they were not playing starters in the fourth quarter, sure. rotating minutes. They were kind of locked into that three spot, and uh, that was all over. But that is concerning, okay? Because you you don't you can't be giving up one twenty a game. You're just getting yourself into unnecessary shootouts. But it might be a reason for us, Dean, at least in the early going of this series, to try our hand at a couple of overs. I will offer this lone caveat though quickly. Okay, they gave up one thirty two to the Jazz when they met. 27 overtime points between those two quarters. Okay. Ah. So that was only, that would have been, that was their best performance on the defensive side of the ball. I do think that's noteworthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you have an overtime game, that'll impact some of those overs, some of those props, some of those totals. For sure. Let's look at some of the numbers around this game first from a series standpoint. Okay. The Denver Nuggets are big favorites minus around 275 or thereabouts in the series. And then we look at game one, which tips off, you know, this afternoon. Uh, like I mentioned, it's around a five point spread on the money line. Denver minus 210. The jazz come in black back as plus 175. You talked about the Conley injury for the whole series. What about here for game one?
2: Yeah, and I think it's going to matter. Now, we've seen the line move, right, up to five yeah. points. And I think there is an argument to be made that if you guys did not, you know, kind of beat the book to the change, maybe you wait this one out. I saw some very interesting numbers the other day, Dane, about the Nuggets' second-half rating, where they are just hmm. so much better in the second half than they are in first half. And the Jazz and the restart have been much worse, okay, in second half. That, by the way, we saw play out in this meeting. The Jazz had a 14 point halftime lead and still lost that basketball game. So, if you guys didn't get the three, could be a great
1: live spot to come in on Denver hmm. at half. Yeah, absolutely. In game live, definitely a way to bet this. We'll look at some of the player props in this one. Remember, comment out who sold that production for that and the playoffs when we come back Welcome back in everybody right here to the early line, giving you the edge on sports career, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, we were talking about this jazz, um, you know, jazz nuggets game, right? And we know obviously the big blow of Mike Conley not being there. So I was wondering in the prop market if there's a place to take advantage of it. And I want to say this, Kev, you know, Mike Conley did not lead the jazz in assists this year. That honor actually went to Joe Ingles, okay? He averaged 5.2 assists per game in order to actually lead this Jazz team. And then when I see the prop bet market in the assists, right, the over-under for Joe Ingles today is five and a half. Kev, he was getting 5.2 a game without Mike Conley there. Now you got to think maybe the ball's in his hands a little bit more. Is that an over you might be intrigued by today?
2: So here's uh why I think you've potentially found a really good spot for us to get involved in. So 72 games played for Joe Ingles on the season, right? Only 45 of them as a starter. Remember, Mike Conley missed the time during the regular season. So in games as a starter, that 5.2 average goes up to 5.9 assists per game. So say you're getting five and a half, you're over. But let's double that up now. As a starting guard of his 45 games, he started 30 was listed as a guard compared to only 15 as a forward. As a starting guard? 6.4 6.4 assists per game. So I look at this as a spot I will probably look to get invested in. Okay, you're gonna to want to get a good number here. Right. Donovan Mitchell is going to have the ball a ton. A ton. Sure. Also, don't be scared to look at Donovan Mitchell assist props, right? If him gonna go bear, start running sure. that pick and roll a little bit more. It's not just gonna be points for Donovan Mitchell, maybe points that rebounds, assists. However, you guys want to get involved. But I think this Joe Ingles point here is a very good one because you might look at the 5.2, right? And say, ah, that's, that's close enough, but there are some legitimate numbers here. Okay. 6.4 mm-hmm. as a starting guard for this team. Okay. And I would like to think that a lot of those games are without Mike Conley. That's a legitimate angle Dane. here to back Ingles in that prop market.
1: Well, thank you. They do call me the spitting statistician for a reason, Kev. And that is part of it, right? So this idea of maybe it is Ingles who winds up filling out that piece of the pie left by Mike Conley. We'll keep our eye out on that in the prop bet market. The next game, the next series, Kev, that gets going here today in that kind of four o'clock time slot is going to be the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors. Now, for the series price, there's really not much to talk about. Okay, Toronto, a huge favorite in the series, you can get Brooklyn at plus. 1400 in most places, okay, if you want to take them with the series. However, you don't have to do all that. We can look at just game one that will be tipping off at around four o'clock this afternoon, here, four o'clock Eastern time, right? The Raptors have a 10 point spread that they would be laying. The total in this one looks like 222. Even on this game, if you think Brooklyn can shock them in game one, you'd be looking at like a plus 380, around plus 400. For this game kev brooklyn has showed fight remember that game against milwaukee that we talked about remember that last game against portland they have shown a ton of fight now i know that toronto is going to play defense in a way that most teams in the bubble has not right and i understand that however honestly kev I kind of think 10 points is too much for a Brooklyn team that's been right there, no matter who they are playing. So there's a lot here. One of the
2: first things I just want to bring up is the fact that this is the same number the Blazers were laying to the Brooklyn Nets in that final game of the season. So when I first saw that, I'm like, wait, do we have value on Toronto here? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It just reconfirms what we always thought. And then that was a terrible number. For the Blazers to be laying. They won the game by one, right? So let's not let that mm-hmm. cloud our judgment here. However, there is a very real thing with the Raptors. And I am sure Raptors fans will try and tell you it is blown out of proportion. And it is a lie. It is a very real thing. They are awful in game ones. Awful. Mm. Like That's a real thing. Since 2012. Orlando well, got them last year, right? Yeah. This is, ugh, they are 3-10 ATS in game ones. Okay, mm-hmm. one in five ATS as a favorite in Game One, and we know it's much harder to cover when you start laying double digits. I think the only way you will play it for me is to take the points in this Game One here. And you just said it though, Dane. Right? This is not mm-hmm. something. You- ah, yeah, but that was DeRozan. The team that won the title lost Game One of Series One in Toronto. To the Orlando magic. So I legitimately think the only way you can play this opening game here is to take double-digit points for the Brooklyn team that has shown a ton of fight.
1: I'm with you, Kev. Let me ask you something. You're throwing out a lot of Game 1 stats for the Raptors, right? None of those Game 1s, though, Kev, We're in a bubble. You know, none of those Game 1s are in the bubble that they have been in for the last, like, what, three weeks, month at this point? Right? The idea sometimes with Toronto game one in front of their home crowd, they defecate the mattress. Do you think the fact that they're on more of a quote unquote business trip inside the bubble actually helps their frame of mind to kind of get out early? Not really? Like I, the idea that you're like better off away from your fans, like I
2: feel like Toronto believes that they have one of the better fan bases. It's just Whatever it is, like Kyle Lowry scored. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember how many points he scored in that first game against the Orlando Magic that they lost? No, not specifically. No. Zero. Zero points. Okay. That is how many. Okay. Like, that's why I remember it, right? Like if he scored three. I wouldn't. He scored zero yeah. points. Like Kyle Lowry is going to lead this team alongside Pascal Siakam. I know Fred Van Vliet. I know they've got a lot of guys. I know Nick Nurse is amazing. Okay. I, we've right. been taught. Like we've given this Raptors team their credit time and time again. But the idea that you're gonna lay 10 points with a team that has been this poor in this spot is beyond me. I, I like contra- I don't get it. I can't do it. Hey, I hear you can only take these 10 points when you consider the way the Raptors have been in game ones. It's a real thing.
1: Listen, and I, I'm with you. I'm taking the 10 points, not even because of some trend with the Raptors, but because of what I've seen with my own two eyes about Brooklyn. Okay. okay, and the fact that I don't think they're gonna get run out of any gym right now. So I understand that. Let me ask you about this total. Kevin. standing at 222 for game one here. One of the Mm -hmm. things we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks are that the Raptors are probably like the only team that has brought their defense, right? It looks like an AAU game going on back and forth um, with the way the court's been so open and free flowing here in the bubble. I got to ask you though, okay? They, they being the Raptors, are not going to have to flip any switch in order to start playing tough you know, grinding team defense, shall we say. Brooklyn may, but if they do, what about this total at 222? Could you see a universe, you know, the Raptors have been keeping people shy of 100. You know, could this wind up being a 108-98 kind of game and go under? Yeah, I like the under
2: here. I think that is a good way to play it. it. I think it's a good way to kind of pair it with the Brooklyn Uh, That as well because i do think toronto might potentially go out there and hold this team to under triple digits they do have that kind of potential i might push back a little bit on the idea that they will or won't have to flip a switch because again they like every other team started playing meaningless games towards the back end of this stretch here but they know that that switch is there for them that they can go in there and play incredible defense because they did it in the first couple of games in that restart with really only exhibition games under their belt. So they will be able to go out there and play great defense. And at the end of the day, right, taking double digits and unders is actually usually correlated. Those things can usually work right. in your favor. That's right. A lower scoring game should then keep this game a bit tighter.
1: Yep. We say that all the time. That's one of the kind of like sports investing 101s that we talk about, right, Kev? If there is a low total, that means the book's expected to be, you know, kind of a defensive nip and tuck, then it is that much tougher for the favorite to go ahead and get that working margin if there is a big spread in this case. The point spread that we're staring at right now here on the early line is a full 10 for the Toronto Raptors. Let's get into the prop bet market a little bit because, Kev, there are two players in this game, one on each side, that I think the public is starting to warm to in terms of maybe... You know, them having a little bit more star power or a little bit more elite talent than you may think. Um, And so I want to ask you which of these two guys is more primed to kind of announce themselves on the national stage as per their prop bet totals with their points. I'm talking about the Nets, obviously, with Brooklyn Karis Levert has been a revelation. I believe he could be Mm -hmm. part of a quote unquote big three, even when Durant and Irving are back for the Nets next year. His prop bet total right now is 24 and a half points. I'd like to see what you think on that. On the other side, listen, Fred Van Fleet is a maniac, in my opinion. Like, he amounts himself, I think, in the playoffs last year. Remember, obviously, the kid coming out of um, the, what was it, mid-major school? Was it Murray State? Or, you know, the- Van one, state? Yeah, Wichita yeah. State, was he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wichita State. But Van Fleet, who, uh, himself, He's at 17 and a half points, and he is really coming on to be a trusted, relied upon leader for this Raptors team. Who do you think takes a step forward in national prominence more here, Van Vliet or uh, Karis Levert? I'd
2: rather back Van Vliet because the one thing about this Raptors team that makes them so dangerous defensively is they target your best guy. Very uh, mm. Belichickian, right? Like I've always found right. it hilarious that we give Bill credit for. Oh, Bill takes away the, the thing you're the best at. Why doesn't everybody right. do
1: that? Right? Isn't that like Like the doing? idea right.
2: that, like yeah. what? Like what is like, no, it's just that not everybody. Other teams Can instead do in it? their meetings, they're like, yo,
1: let's eliminate their third option.
2: <laughs> right. Like it's just such a but like that's what Bill's done. Like Bill is like, oh yeah. my God. And like for the Raptors, it like it's not, oh, the Raptors are so unique because they like to take your star player away as a like, no, of course, right? But that is yeah. what they like do. Like that's I've unheard of, yeah. Exactly. So I will be very cautious here because I'll tell you this about Karis Levert. He's going to have a couple big games. He's also going to have a couple of games that I think he might shoot three of 15. And you're going to have to be careful. I think when it comes to playing in this Levert prop market, I think Van Vliet, certainly, I also will be interested to see what those Pascal Siakam numbers are because we are talking about, you know, round one. And if we think Kyle Lowry might continue to kind of have his woes in that spot, Pascal Siakam is the guy that is supposed to be stepping up for Kawhi Leonard, right? This is the guy who, for the most part, during the season, stepped up for Kawhi Leonard. And he averaged 23 points per game on this season as well, right? So if we're seeing numbers in, you know, 21 and a half, you might argue that there's kind of some base value there anyway. And and that's going to be one of the things that I'm going to really look to see with this Raptors team is, you know, is it offense by committee? Right. Or "Ah, we only need to score X amount because we're, you know, holding teams to 105 or or less. Because offensively, right? I know Pascal's taking a step forward. I know people trust Kyle Lowry. We you mentioned it, Van Vliet. I get that, right? But they don't have what they had last year, which was a guy that some people argue is the best player in the NBA. So that's a guy that can take over for not just the final three minutes, a whole fourth quarter. So I am going to be super fascinated if this game is tight, like you and I might think be could be going into quarter number four, who gets the lion's share of opportunities or does it stay spread out? And it's just hoping to get quality. Look
1: after quality, look after quality, look. Now, I think that's a good point as it relates to the Toronto Raptors, right? Because we talk about it all the time with any team that has championship designs at some point. They're going to need that closer. They're going to need that dude who can just take over the game, right? We love what we see that in other places. Dame time, for example. But do they have that guy or is that guy right now in a Clippers uniform? That is a definite question. Look at the Raptors. When we come back here on the early line, though, Kev, I do want to ask about this series because it seems like we both think the Nuggets are going to handle the Jazz rather easily, especially without Conley. and this one, I know we think Toronto probably gets through, but are there ways to bet it, Kev, if you do think the Nets will show grit or take a game, right? There's some series odds and lines out there also, and we'll touch on those when we come back right here, giving you the edge on Sports Grid early in the morning on the early line Welcome back in here on the early line, giving you the edge. And Kev, you know, we're talking about this Nets Raptors series, right? And we're talking about player prop bets. We're talking about game one against the spread, who will win the series. But I do want to let people know out there, right, Kev, our our friends and partners over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, there are so many ways you can bet a series, right? You could bet, you know, like, let's say you think Toronto is going to win this in five. You can bet that. You can bet, like, oh, um, after three games, will it be 3 nothing one side or 2-1 and kind of, you know, do we have a series kind of bet? There's so many markets, even for the overall series, that you can bet in. Do you like playing those, whether it's to you have a strong lean or to get an initial position to hedge off of? I kind of like the series score after three games in some where I think I, like in this case, where I do think Toronto will win it, but I think Brooklyn can get a game. Sometimes I find good numbers with something like 2-1 Toronto after three games or other ways to play the series price. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. One of the things, you know, Dan, we know
2: the FanDuel Sportsbook is doing some overnight maintenance, uh, and sometimes that might be because they're trying to get super set to go for these NBA playoffs. They didn't initially have them, but you were telling me they had it last year where you can kind of lay games, right? So yes. the Nuggets minus a game and a half means the Nuggets get it done in less than seven, right, going into the series. So, you know, maybe there's a world where you like Brooklyn getting two and a half games, which I think is a legitimate bet you might be able to get uh, at some legit right. plus money as well. I think that might be an interesting way to look at this series because I have to tell you, Dave, this is a series that you can, can, you can talk me into 4-0, you can talk me into 4-1, You can talk me into this being 2-2, though, after 4. Like, there's just, there's so many ways that you can kind of talk me into this series that there's also a world where we just, like game one, play out. We take our 10 points, and we go from there, and we see
1: what happens. Yeah, I think that is a fair way to look at it. You know, but there are so many different ways to skin the cat, and that is definitely something we need to let our people out there know. You could bet the games, you could bet the series, you could bet the prop bets. You could also, and we talked about this, right, in a previous show, you can cover like one team to win 4-1 and 4-2. Sometimes you could double the outlay and Mm -hmm. still wind up getting money back. We'll talk about that in the other two series in hour number two coming up after this